Well, Shabbat Shalom. Um, you know, before I get started, I received a, a text message this morning. There's a, a family, a couple, whose names are Paul and Paula. Uh, their last name is Bachman. They have been following the, the Bible studies and the Shabbat services here at Shema for a couple of years now, and they just absolutely love it. And Paul, this earlier this morning, um, uh, had a, a severe heart attack, and he's actually actively dying right now. And um, But, you know, the hearing is the last thing to go. And so they've, they're listening right now. And, uh, Lord, we pray that Paul's transition, his graduation home, will be peaceful. Amen. Well, this morning you're going to be hearing from me and from Rabbi Jerry, tag team, rabbis. And I want to start with this. John chapter 1 says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life has brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I'm not a big fan of winter. Uh, now, sure, I, I love a nice fire in the wood stove. Rabbi Lauren and I both feel that same way. We love a nice fire in the wood stove. And, you know, the first snow is always just so beautiful, and it quiets everything in the neighborhood. But it's dark so early. And every night around 10 p.m., I realize it's only 5.30. Ugh, how depressing. But against the darkness of the season are the tandem joyful and light-filled holidays of Hanukkah and Advent. And of course, without the victory of Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. Both, by the way, are Jewish holidays, since Christmas is all about the birth of the promised Jewish Messiah. So there you go. And tomorrow evening is Erev Christmas. So is there peace on earth, goodwill among men? Not if you look at the map of current wars and conflicts across the earth. Why is the world so messed up? Anybody? No, I'm kidding. It goes back, of course, to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve defied God's command and warning, joined the rebellion of Satan and the fallen angels, and sin, like an insidious deadly virus, was introduced into the world. And of course, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world in the person of Messiah Yeshua. But people love darkness more than light, because their deeds are evil. The incarnation set in motion the remedy for mankind's sin. God the Son took humanity upon himself, lived a perfect life, died an atoning death, and now we have a future and a hope. 
This morning, let's consider some truths about Messiah's birth, his incarnation. First thing, it was God's plan from all eternity. Yeshua said to them, For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. And then again, Peter tells us, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for your sake. Before the world existed, God knew that the man and woman he was going to create would rebel and that humanity would die spiritually. It didn't deter him from creating, but he set in motion a plan to redeem fallen mankind. That plan involved sending his beloved son, the Messiah, to be born into the world. Second thing, it was desperately needed for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, Paul's word to the Romans. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers childbirth together until now, to this, basically to this very hour. It's like the whole world is saying, oh, I need some Motrin. <laughs> you know, these shortened days of winter, as much as I dislike them, they also symbolize the spiritual darkness spreading over the earth in these last days. There are wars and rumors of wars. Nation is set against nation. Gross immorality and moral confusion are ever increasing. The world was and the world is in desperate need of divine intervention. That's what the incarnation was. God, in the person of Messiah, breaking into time and space for our rescue. It was long anticipated. For a child will be born to us. These words 700 years earlier. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Across all the generations, those who were the faithful remnant in Israel always had their eyes open and their hearts attuned to God's ironclad promise of the coming Redeemer. In Luke's account of Messiah's birth, we read about certain righteous people who had been on the lookout, right? They'd been on the lookout. 
uh, for that one who was to come. People like Shimon, Simon, Anna, Hannah, and even by some who were outside of Israel, such as the wise men from the east. His coming was foretold by the prophets. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, this is Peter writing, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Messiah within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Messiah and the glories to follow. The prophets of Israel, inspired by God, gave us ample warning and clues what to look for so that when the Redeemer would come, we should know it and we wouldn't be surprised. Even the time and the location of Messiah's birth along with the family ancestry were made known to us in advance as to the time the precise number of years after Artaxerxes' decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. You find that in Daniel 9 and Ezra 7. The location even told us where the Messiah would be born. It would be in the city of David, otherwise known as Bethlehem, the house of bread, Micah chapter 5. As to his ancestry, descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through the tribe of Judah and through the family line of David. So those who were looking, those who were waiting and watching, had a better idea of where to look. His birth, his incarnation, occurred in very unexpected ways, in obscurity, amid unlikely and humble circumstances. The angel speaking to the shepherd said, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, an animal's feeding trough. Hmm. So the shepherds came in a hurry and found their way to Miriam and Yosef and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Maybe you've seen this. It's going around. The very first king-size bed. A feeding trough. The point is that we would never have expected the king of kings, the divine Messiah, to be born in such humble circumstances. This was entirely under the radar. But isn't that often how God does things? Quietly? And only the few who are on the lookout are in the know. Few more thoughts about his incarnation. It was witnessed by the humblest members of society and those least likely to be believed. Shepherds considered the dregs of Israeli society, regarded as unclean, thought to be losers, and whose testimony would be considered mm, unreliable. Luke tells us that the shepherds, having been visited by the angel and having seen for themselves the infant Messiah, according to the sign given them, were very vocal about it. 
Perhaps this gives a new perspective on the words of Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To the least likely. A few more thoughts. Messiah's incarnation brought God's light into mankind's dark world. He says, this is Isaiah chapter 49, it is too light a thing that you, the Messiah, the servant, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved ones of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And again, John writes, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And again, Yeshua said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so it brought God's light into this terribly dark world, and we needed it. What else? It teaches us what God's nature is like. The incarnation teaches us things about God. It tells us that he loves us and wants to reconcile us to himself. It also shows how much he values us. He values us to the extent that he took the greatest measures to see that realized, to accomplish our salvation. It also teaches us that he is just. Sin must be punished. A price had to be paid. But it also shows us his mercy. Knowing that we were helpless, he himself became our Yeshua, our salvation. And it is just as significant now the birth of the Messiah, as it was 2,030 years ago. I put 2,030 because based on certain historical monikers, uh, we can narrow down his birth to somewhere between 6 and 7 B.C. That's 2023, so 2,030 years ago. It's just as significant now. Messiah's words, his life, have the power to transform the human heart. All these years later, and it teaches us that every human being has a decision to make about this one. Will you surrender your life to him? Will you submit to him? Will you give him your life and your loyalty? And without that supernatural event, without that unique one-of-a-kind birth, we would still be in complete spiritual darkness. These are some of my thoughts about the uh, incarnation. One more thought, and it's an irony. How ironic that for the past 2,000 years, the birth of the long-awaited promised Jewish Messiah has been celebrated mostly by Gentiles and ignored by Jews. But friends, that day is coming, isn't it? That greater day when, as Rabbi Paul wrote, all Israel will be saved. And so 
Lord our God, we thank you. Thank you for invading our world. Thank you for illumining our lives. Thank you for inscribing our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. You like the alliteration here. Thank you for interrupting our routine by giving us sacred days. And thank you for inviting people from all nations, tribes, and people to join us, to be one together. And Lord God, thank you for the promise of Messiah's second coming. Amen.